Hello, and welcome to this episode of Conscious Design. I'm your host, Ian Peterman, and author of the book Conscious Design. And I'm excited to have today with me the founders of Ecotooth, Joshua and Kiana, talk about their company and journey on building an eco-friendly product. So welcome to the show. Great to have you. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for having Thank you so us. Much. Yeah, so I always like to start with you know the origin story. We all like those, as Marvel has proven. So let's start with with that. Like, where where did you guys decide? You know, eco friendly products is a huge thing to tackle. So you guys decided to start with toothbrush. So can you talk a little bit about what what went into making the decision that that's the product you wanted to do, and and why eco friendly is important for you guys. Uh, Joshua, do you want to do this one or? <laughs> yeah, please go ahead. I think I think um, you're just as much uh, ready to do this. Just, just, just go for it. All right. Um, I think it's it mainly well the brainchild. It's you, it's Joshua's brainchild essentially. Um, he had an epiphany one night where he hasn't changed to- his toothbrush in a while. I think that's the story, and um, he essentially threw it away. <laughs> You know, and it's completely frayed or you're just busy with life and you haven't changed your toothbrush. And he's just threw it away and essentially light bulb moment. And he just thought, well, why do I have to throw away the whole thing? And it and it started from, from there. Um, obviously, this concept already existed uh, within the electric toothbrush space, but none of it, you didn't find it in the um, manual toothbrush, uh, manual toothbrush space. So... It started from there and, you know, more and more questions, doing more research on the market. And obviously there was the right at the time, there was the rise of, you know, plastic pollution and being conscious about using plastic, single use plastics and things like that. And, um, you know, 3.5 billion toothbrushes get thrown away each year, which is a really, a really serious number. Yeah. And most of those. I didn't realize that. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty crazy, isn't it? So you, most of them end up either in landfill or exploding somewhere in the ocean because it is a multi-plastic. There's more than one type of um, plastics on a toothbrush. A lot of recycling facilities can't really separate those, so they just chuck it into uh, landfill. Mm. Um, so we wanted to tackle this issue, this issue and this design, this toothbrush design of having a handle for life um, with a changeable head just simply really made sense. Um, and our handle is made from recycled aluminium. So it's durable, it feels really nice to hold, it's ergonomic as well. And the head of the brush is uh, replaceable. So we made the head of the brush as small as we possibly could, could get it to uh, and as sustainable as we could get it to as well. And uh, yeah, we do it on all four colors. And um, I think it's, we've been, we've been, we've been called the apple of iPhone, uh, the, the apple of toothbrushes, sorry, a few times uh, due to awesome. our brilliant design. Uh, and that's all uh, Joshua's, um, came out of Joshua's brain really, because he's the product designer and between the two of us um, and I do the branding. Awesome. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure using recycled aluminum helps help us helps with the uh, Apple relations since they do that with yeah. their with their uh, laptop bodies, right? Oh, that's awesome. exactly. uh, don't fix what's not broke, right? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we just try to make a beautiful product that everyone wanted to have then shone away from it when they had a house party or something, they would have their toothbrush proud on their on their on their bathroom shelf rather than hiding it away when those sorority parties were happening. So um, yeah, I think we made a beautiful product that everyone wants to keep made out of you know materials that are um, you know durable when they where they need to be and as eco-friendly as well where where they where they need to be. So um, we've made a pretty interesting product, uh, we we believe. Yeah, it's awesome. It, it's um well it's a crazy number considering the number of people like uh Joshua and I that don't throw away our toothbrushes when we should, that there's still yeah. <laughs> over 3 billion thrown away every year. That's, that's kind of a surprising number. Uh, so apparently somebody's throwing away more 
in a year than I am, yeah. a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Somebody's it's making the dentist really happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, somebody somebody is re, uh, getting a new toothbrush like they're supposed to, so it actually cleans. So that's yeah. a I mean, that's a huge number. I I had no idea that it was such a yeah. such a it large percentage. Like that's a huge that's a huge number. Our billions, right? And to your point, like that material is not recycled. It's very hard to recycle multi plastic types together. So it's it's great that you guys have thought about that. I'm curious um as far as the head right you you approached designing the the replaceable part Carl what did what did you guys find as being the best how did you balance right that okay it needs to be disposable it has to be thrown away but we are trying to create as eco-friendly a product as possible could you kind of walk through what what you went through and how you arrived at, at the materials and and Obviously, you made it as small as possible. Like, there's lots of things you can do. But I'm just kind of curious if there's anything you're like, oh, I wish we could have done this, but we had to. We had to make a decision, you know, for some manufacturing cost, something like that. That you're. That you're okay, how did you get arrived there? Sure. So I guess. Yeah. Um, so I guess there's a few aspects right we wanted to have the head of the product as eco-friendly as possible but we we also did a hell of a lot of research on cross-country development regarding the accessibility of materials so we we chose mm -hmm. a material through um one being as eco-friendly as we could and how that's derived where it's from is it derived from corn which is accessible from anywhere is it derived from starch again accessible from anywhere um but then you know starch some people are allergic to starch so um and then mm -hmm. the recyclability aspects like is it realistically if it is biodegradable are the consumers actually going to do the correct process with it if they're not what's the other alternative and um, will recycling plants accept that particular material base if not okay. where will it go if they do is it going to get there so there was a, a whole host of uh realizations that essentially the main question we ask is how lazy is the consumer um and it's not putting <laughs> making you know putting a title and everyone saying everyone's lazy, but it was kind of like- We don't throw away our toothbrushes. So I, <laughs> I don't have to put myself in that category. We, we have to be realistic. Like if people are going to do this. Um, so so eventually we, we found, we landed on PLA, polylactic acid. Um, and it was derived from corn and corn is a very widely renowned and there's a lot of byproducts from that. So PLA was the best source that we found. Um, the head, as you mentioned, the size, we're trying to make it as small as possible. So the bit that we do throw away, despite being biodegradable, we're trying not to waste as much material. Um, and then there was a lot of impact testing, um, getting to a biodegradable product that can be tufted where the bristles go in is actually quite, we found really difficult. Um, mm. We actually had a lot of issues trying to find and make a formulation with our material partners back in the UK that could accept a bristle. Um, and when I say accept a bristle, the force of the machine used to implement these 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 tufts and how they're anchored okay. is extremely rugged and not forgiving at all. It wasn't like gently pushing them in. It was like slamming them into this material. Right, it's more like a jackhammer. <laughs> really yeah totally like a jackhammer so we had to we had to find a way to add enough elastomers that kept the formulation eco-friendly without disturbing that compostability of the product um mm. but didn't make it too weak so it would still accept its locking mechanism to be honest it was a massive nightmare and we're still learning the process um, you know, we've got a version two coming out next year in 2023 that is much more improved the formulation wise. So yeah, it took a lot longer time. We didn't want to bring out something that would um, cause us issues, uh, a lot of issues on the way. We had to bring it out um, as quick as we could, but 
essentially we fell on PLA derived from corn um, and that seemed to be the best option at the time. And we're going to continue using that because with formula adjustments and we're going to make a better, better product each time. Yeah, that's yeah, a they... challenge. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, and I think adding to that as well, it's, um, you know, what, what Josh mentioned is definitely a balance between between everything. So, um, the, you know, the we, I mean, we've, it was a massive, massive, massive learning curve um, when it came to creating the head itself. The handle was very smooth, um, you know, it's the handle. I think, uh, you know, it's ergonomic. It's, it's, that was very easy to, um, to test, but um, I think what was happening um, as well was, uh, you know, what we learned as well was, you know, our bristles, bristle quality as well. Um, we needed to get to have that up to standard. Um, and oddly enough, as well, the standards are very flexible um, in the dental space. Um, but we obviously went once we uh, found that out. We we wanted to make sure that our toothbrush was above that sort of basic standard um so we made right. sure that we contacted the british dental association and uh you know worked alongside them to make sure that our bristles that the bristles that we um have made are good quality um you know josh joshua will 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 attest to that you know the flexibility the pull test um uh, you know how the how they're being cut the layout you know it's it's there's a lot of things that go into this tiny tiny little head <laughs> and um you know but that's been weirdly enough it's been it's been the thing that has given us the most headache um the smallest thing that we make so uh but we you know as joshua mentioned it's a forever um, i think we're as a sustainable company we're always forever innovating and not forever always you know always um trying to make and improve our product as we go along and listening to our customers uh, and yeah it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, I would it's imagine. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Well, I'd imagine too, with you making it um, modular, basically it's a little bit easier for you to roll out new head designs too. And given that that's the hardest part, you can keep the handle, just leave it there. It works. It's great. And then just iterate, iterate on the head and not have to go through the whole process again, if you were to have them together. So uh, maybe that's helping. Maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's a pain too, but uh, hopefully it's helping. Orig originally that was totally the plan. However, we've even improved the locking mechanism. So the V2 design is a new head, a new head. It looks exactly the same externally, the silhouette. However, the, the way we've actually pushed, um, joined the two is reducing and heads getting stuck, it's reducing any element of water staying in the head. So, you know, and the thing is, you can't really foresee this until you have tens of thousands of customers using this. You know, you can- Then you get you the feedback. Work, yeah, until you have feedback and everyone's like, okay, this is great. Um, there's so many elements that we, I, I guess, overthought. You know, we the handle design without the head doesn't like a shift you know it's a beautiful design there's no locking mechanism that you can see externally so it doesn't like a prison shift you know it's great if it still, could probably still be useful one um, <laughs> um but we realized actually does it matter if it looks like a shift probably not we could have done a whole new design without overthinking a few elements we could remove the entire ball section inside that adds cost and time um, so actually our V2 is even way more simplified. Um, it's not going to fall out in the mouth. That was a big thing for us. Are we, we going to have consumers brushing their teeth and the head's going to fall out? We're going to have people choking on it. Are we going to, you know, that, that's a massive freak out for any industrial designer, any design team. So as much as I would love to say the handle designs forever, it is not. And we have a new and improved V2 and V2 head coming out next year that will eliminate some of the issues that we're currently having if not all of the issues and yeah um, from there 
Yeah, we're hoping to keep that handle design forever, but you know, it's only yeah, from you know, but Well, don't, don't not innovate. Never, don't freeze your, you know, you should never do that. So it's always, yeah, if yeah. you have a V3 at some point, don't worry about it. It's, it's okay. We'll get there. Also, I mean, yeah. As a, as a sustainable company, again, um, we know that obviously, you know, people who have V1 might, might move to V2. And this is something that was a big discussion um, with the team where it's, well, what, what should we do? You know, um, should we offer um, a return, you know, a free return? And we we take responsibility for recycling because obviously it's aluminium, it's forever recyclable. So we can easily just send it over to, back to our manufacturers, melt it back down, and those aluminium handles will then become V2. Uh, so this is this is a very interesting, you know, circular um uh a circular economy here where it's like you know we we're encouraging people to go okay fine you want your v2 then you know this is this used to be the v1 but it's been it's been changed and it's it's forever um remolded and i think this is it's an interesting concept to, to have as well as a as a sustainable company i think i think that actually would play into your whole uh Apple comparison, right? They have a buyback. They want, they actually want your phone back because they're going to strip yeah. it. They're going to either re refurbish it, right? Or more than likely, they're going to strip it down because you have an iPhone 7. <laughs> they don't, they're not going to refurbish yeah. it anymore. But they are going to, that aluminum is recyclable. And there's so many, so many components to that. So I think it's great that you guys are thinking about that, especially as a long term customer, right? Because I, I think that builds even more trust and that, yeah, you are actually an eco product company instead of just well here's v2 buy it have fun yeah <laughs> right just, exactly. dude, there's so no we... <laughs> good luck recycling it we hope you figure it out on your own and, exactly. and uh you're really thinking about it, well it's aluminum and aluminum so why don't we just take it back <laughs> and how yeah. do we how do we make that more circular and i think more and more brands are slowly figuring that out so it's it's always great when I meet companies that are actually thinking about that at the beginning as they're before they've even launched the second version. So right, kudos to you guys in thinking it through that, that process. Um, is there, you mentioned the head. So is the head fully biodegradable, like throw it in the dirt, dirt decompose kind of what, what level? Sure, so, so currently the, the head body is compostable, industrially, comp industrially compostable. I just want to get that clear. Um, the bristles are recyclable currently. So it's a nylon 612. So if you have a composting, if you have a facility that takes bristles, amazing. You're, you will have to separate the two currently. Um, we have since then realized consumers realistically, they're not going to do that. We want to make a product as, as, consumer friendly as we could. So we set about uh, collaborating with a company based in the Netherlands that we can make a our own durable biodegradable bristle. So there are existing bristles on the market made from cornstarch and other, and other materials, but we found they're not durable. So instead of lasting, ask, um, sorry, lasting for the recommended one, two or three months, it would last a lot shorter, like a couple of weeks kind of thing from our testing. Oh, wow. So okay. we said, as much as the eco-friendly that you're still buying lots more, which means there's energy used in ma manufacturing the products is actually not as eco-friendly. Right. It companies selling it. There's a massive trade-off. Yeah. Right. So we set about, we knew that was a massive barrier to entry for us. So we set about collaborating with a company, developing our own durable biodegradable bristles, which we are nearly complete with. And they'll be on the market um, next year within all of our existing product range. And we're looking to use that as another revenue stream to sell it to companies like Colgate and Oral-B to integrate those durable biodegradable bristles into their existing product line. So Amazing. on the completion of that, the head will be 100% compostable and biodegradable next year. So you don't have to separate, you don't have to do anything. You just put the, the bristles and the head into a industrial composting facility and uh, you're good to go. The bristles will be home compostable. The head, the, because of the mass and the thickness around it, will still need to go to be industrially compostable. But 
again, we're still working to find a honeycomb uh, design. So it's almost hollow inside, so it will compost at home quicker. Uh, but again, you know, V3, V4, we, we're slowly working to make sure that the product's better. But build this stuff takes a lot of time. You know, this is all new to the world, to be honest. Um, everyone thinks right. you can just switch over to these novel <laughs> materials. And it's just, it's just not the case. You know, it's, we spend hundreds of thousands developing materials with existing world leading yep. manufacturers in this. And it's still not easy. The right. moment you add a color to anything, it changes the compostability element. It changes the elastomers in it. So it makes it more brittle or it makes it less brittle. I mean, it's an absolute nightmare to make a material, um, but we're sticking through it. <laughs> yeah, material science is a whole, I mean, it's, that's a whole thing. So it's, and it's something, I love you're pointing that out, right? It's all, it is doable. And I think that's where we're still hung up on, well, it's, it's not doable, but it is. You're just going to end up investing hundreds of thousands of dollars and years of R&D, and then you'll get it. <laughs> so it's great that you guys are, are doing that. I, I'm impressed that there is a biodegradable bristle because they're so small. They're so thin as a material. Um, you mentioned, too, the, the compostability is that the thickness, like the bristle is thin enough to easily decompose and, and that that's the only I guess the thickness is the only thing that's stopping the the rest of the head then is just too thick to quickly decompose is that I mean, that's, that sounds exactly. like what you're saying right exactly so so the bristles being so finitely thin we can get them to home compostability instantly very easy but also there's a fine line between making a product that decomposes while you're using it <laughs> and making a product that works well and then decomposes. So the, again, it's, you know, and also a product being in the bathroom with potentially in a hot shower environment after people shower like twice right. a day or once. Humidity <laughs> and <laughs> you have lots of things going on. <laughs> it's, it's, never again. Um, <laughs> um, and then the, the head thickness as well, as, as you mentioned. Yeah, so the mass, the amount of material used to create the head itself, can we get that thinner? And can we make a potentially honeycomb structure or injection mold it in a way that's hollow inside but has a honeycomb structure to keep its strength and uh, you know rigidity um, to then decompose to become home compostable? Because let's be honest, industrial composting facilities in first world countries is very much apparent but being a product that everyone uses twice a day we want everyone in any state of the country being able to dispose of that product and the product that is disposable to completely disappear within 180 days which classifies it as home compostable so there's okay. so many elements to this um if we knew this from the beginning definitely wouldn't have done it um <laughs> no, I lie. We would have we would have continued. It just made it more exciting and more more challenging. So that's why we're continuing to innovate with amazing companies across the globe. I feel like there's a lot of innovation that happens that way. You just don't know enough, and you're like, "Yeah, let's do it." And then three years later, you're like, "Never would have chosen this, but we're close to the end now, so we might as well just keep going." It's returning back now was bad. Yeah, hundred percent. You just got to keep smiling, and oh my goodness, how much! <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll write that check. Um, well, let's bounce over to the business brand side of things. And we we touched on this earlier a little bit, like getting your feedback. But I'd love for you guys to talk a little bit about how you were able to launch, and then what what kind of feedback, how you've integrated that into developing your V two. How much, you know, obviously is there's a mix of you going as a designer, okay, this is bad, I need to fix it. And then also customers going, I don't like this. So kind of, if you could just talk a little bit about that, I'd love to hear kind of that, that business consumer side of things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that we, I think let's just rewind it back to how we really, really start, how we really launched uh, Tooth. We're crowdfunded first and foremost. So I think this says a lot about who we are as a brand, um, we are very close to our customers. 
as simple as that. Um, and I think uh, building customer relationships is is a very valuable for us, especially as a company that's constantly innovating. Um, and being, an, you know, a lot of Kickstarters understand as well um, feedback, that feedback is truly, truly important. Um, the whole platform you know, is feedback. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, I think the first few months um, of sending out our products uh, to our, you know, Kickstarter backers um, after two and a half almost two yeah two and a half years of delay 88 almost over 18 months of delay um was amazing but i spent a few months after that being you know on our customer service actually i made it my own thing where i ha i would speak you know um with the customers directly see what issues they're having maybe with the product um what they're struggling with or um some people did come back and say well don't like it and you know it's it's fair enough we we don't hate it's okay um you know they they just didn't like it and it's you know it's something that goes in your mouth <laughs> i think um it's and so it's something that's very personal uh so we totally get it it's not for everyone um, but those who really, really love it, we try to understand why they're loving it um, and where can we also improve and how, you know, we're always open to ideas um, that customers give us, which is really interesting. We have, you know, um, a handful of customers who will every month who will cut you know email us and say oh did you think of this will you be launching this we'd love to see this in your line it would be amazing if you made this eco and etc 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 so we because we are a crowdfunded company our customer base and our community is way more involved in the making of our products um and i think for us it's really important because you're using this product at least I hope twice, at least once a day. <laughs> so, you know, it, every day. So that's um, for us, the people is very important in, um, in our brand. Hey, it's Ian here. So glad you're enjoying this episode of Conscious Design. If you want the full scoop on Conscious Design, what it is, how we do it, how you can do it, then check out our book. We wrote it so creative entrepreneurs like you can code social and environmental responsibility right into your brand's DNA. You can download the first chapter for free. Link is in the description. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. Yeah, I think I think it's a good point, especially, you know, it's something that you use, should be using <laughs> once to 20, a couple times a day, right? Um, at, least. at least, right? It, it is such a personal, personal item, right? It's something you're going to for an item spend a lot of time with right so yeah. it's it is something where you have you'll have that feedback right you'll have an experience it's more of an experience with it yeah than a lot of other items so it's great to have that have that connection uh when you when you were going through and you decided right if we wanted to launch a, a crowdfunding campaign is did you look at any other methods? Were there any other ideas that came to mind? They were like, well, maybe, or was it just kind of out of the gate? Now crowdfunding makes the most sense because it's gonna it's gonna give us these benefits. So I think um, to start, it was we were coming out with something that was never really seen before. So we wanted to see how people would respond first and foremost, um, right. and you know. Kickstarter, well, we we launched on Kickstarter. Um, also, secretly, it was Joshua's dream to to launch on Kickstarter. So we wanted to launch on Kickstarter totally. as well. Totally. <laughs> as, a, was, as a designer, having, the other having, a product, having a product on Kickstarter was just like a dream. Let's do it. Let's have a successful product on Kickstarter. Yeah. I do, I, I do feel like that is a designer thing. Like you're, you somehow, if you have a successful Kickstarter, you're like, yeah, I won. Yeah. Like this is, <laughs> I, I, I somehow checked a box and I get, I get that gold star because I, I, I did that. So yeah, I definitely design background. I felt, I feel that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was very true. Totally. The brand and launching on Kickstarter was important for us um, because essentially 
you know, we wanted to, we needed the proof of concept um, because we were launching something that was relatively unique and we needed to get right. feedback from potential users. That was, that's, that was our goal. And of course this, this helped with um, further uh, funding from private um, and angel investors later down the line. Um, so yeah, that's, that was the main goal for, for our Kickstarter. Obviously Josh, Josh's dream, let's not forget. Um, as a designer, I think it was, he was very proud to have seen, you know, 200% funded on, on a toothbrush, um, yeah, that's project. awesome. Yeah, I I still pretty I'm still pretty sure that we're still the most funded manual toothbrush on Kickstarter. That's awesome. If I'm, I might be incorrect, but I also might be correct. But I think we still <laughs> I think we're still holding that title. So yeah. Well, awesome. Even if you held it only for a year, that's still a pretty great. I mean, it's still a great, great title. <laughs> so, you know, we you achieved it. At the time, we did it for we did it for four years. So, yeah, we did pretty good. There's another brand out there which is more camping, totally focused on travel camping. Um, that's currently doing really well. But yeah, at the time, up into four years, yeah, we were the most funded manual toothbrush on Kickstarter on the planet, which was a pretty cool thing to say, to be honest. Yeah, and I'd love to kind of jump back a little bit because a lot of people think about Kickstarter as the end, I'll be like, oh, now we've launched. But you mentioned that you guys were also looking at it as a tool to get other funding, right? You you saw it not just, oh, well, we're funded, now we're going to, you know, keep going. Because I've talked to companies that they they just use Kickstarter to launch products. And they just, just use it as a launch platform. They don't go get other money. They don't do anything like that. So could you talk a little bit about kind of your strategy there and what how you were lining up this as part of your more long-term business growth than just, Hey, we launched a product cool is pre kind of just pre-selling. And then we stopped like, how, how was that? And how, how have you been able to kind of grow by using that, that strategy? Totally. Um, yeah. Kickstarter was proof of concept. As Kiana said, it was, a way to dictate and understand market interest. So you have the option of Kickstarter, do you launch to one market, do you want to launch globally? We went, we opted for globally because we really wanted to see what markets, what countries, what nations were interested in purchasing our product. That gave us a lot of data. And today, if you're not a data focused business, no matter if you're a physical product, you're a tech company, no matter what you do, you will fail. <laughs> you need to look <laughs> so every true. single aspect. Yeah, every single aspect of your customer, when they're buying, what time they're buying, what their interests are when they're not buying. Um, so we use Kickstarter. That, that was the, the, the tip of the enormous iceberg, which, which developed from there. So, so Kickstarter proof of concept, great. From there, we then um, used that and built that data into our company decks to then raise further funding from private investors, angel investors, high net worth individuals. Um, and this was proof of concept that, yeah, we could add these data points to say, listen, we've made this crazy product that people want to buy. Clearly, here's the data points from these markets. And we did X amount in 24 hours. We mm. believe if you give us X amount at this valuation, we can then rate, we can then grow the business to point X within, um, you know, 18 months or, or 24 months. So right. yeah, Kickstarter was a very, um, we then built company decks, as I said, with all the data points around our Kickstarter, what, what nations and what industry, what, countries were buying and America turned out to be um, very interested in teeth products. You know, they're very good again with the subscription model product. American, mm. they, they've been around, subscription models have been in America for considerably longer than the UK. And oh, then, having, yeah, having pearly white products, you know, like everyone over there has beautiful smiles. Uh, England are renowned for bad teeth, which is hilarious. So, 
Um, <laughs> why we launched them there, I don't know. But the video we did made was actually a little bit more American focused because we wanted, we kind of knew, we knew this about pearly whites. We knew this about particular products. We didn't really know it about subscription focused products. So um, yeah, yeah, I, had, we did I didn't realize that either with subscription model. It was such, didn't realize it was such an American thing. But I guess very much. So, so yeah, that's a, that's an interesting thing to think about because I would have never guessed that that's so different. Yeah. It makes sense yeah. now that you said it out loud. I'm like, oh, of course, of course, different countries would have different levels of being comfortable with subscription. But it's a a huge huge point, especially if you are looking at the subscription type product. You want to look at who's comfortable with a subscription product right who even who's who's like yeah let's let's do that as opposed to yeah maybe maybe not as much totally yeah, subscriptions that turn on or a turn off and then we had the misfortune or fortune of launching just before covid i kind of say what i wouldn't use misfortune um a stroke of interesting luck i guess you'd say um, if we had product ready and available before lockdown and COVID really happened, we would be in the stratosphere regarding sales and valuation right now. Because the only thing that you could buy was online. You know, physical retail establishments globally legally had to shut down. So right. we would, you know, we'd be in a whole different ball ball game right now. Um, however, this did allow us to iron out a lot of issues over the 18-month delay that we did have with our manufacturers because they were prioritizing the manufacturing of PPE equipment um, over that right, time. Right. We, were, we were able to iron out some issues that we were previously being rushed to launch the product. Um, so okay. everything happens for a reason, I believe. Um, you know, we've the got best attitude. Totally. Um, we got a great product to market. It did take us 18 months longer. We were transparent with our customers from the beginning, uh, you know, every step of the way saying, this is an issue, this is an issue. You know, a lot of eye rolling from people who didn't quite understand, but you know, that's that's okay. It's to make a, to bring a brand new product to market, to mine a product out the ground that's non-existing, that you just put a label on it. It's a lot of work. It's a hell of a lot of work. Um, especially especially when your supply chain is completely destroyed. <laughs> there was none. I mean, they're like, there, uh, why are you not making this? There's no, <laughs> there is no supply chain. It's gone. It's disappeared. There's nothing. Um, so, yeah, it was a nightmare. A lot of stress. 1,500 people just... Waiting. As much <laughs> as... Waiting, but they were all really good. They were all amazing. Um, but it was our, the stress on our shoulders. You know, we really wanted to bring this product to market. We we didn't want to um, seem like charlatans or anything. You know, we're going to bring this product to market. We are going to bring it to you, but we physically, we can't do anything, guys. You know, we're, we're, we're stuck right now. But we did it and we're here and we're, we're pushing forward. But yeah. I think the reason adding to that, um, I wanted to come back to what Joshua mentioned is transparency. We were very transparent. I think this is a lot of um we do get questions where it's well, how why why did all of these people stick with you for the you know for 18 months? It's crazy, you know? And um and right. this is because we every almost every single month we would send out an update to all of our customers saying yeah we're still here we're still pushing um but there's nothing we can do because you know supply chain issues and things like that and be you know again i think bringing this back to the brand transparency is something that we value tremendously um, at Tooth, and it's um, because we are a sustainable company, and we're not about that greenwashing and you know all of that. So we're we're truly we're we're truly almost sustainable, and we are proud to be because. And because we know as well, like well, we're innovating, and we're not just sitting on our laurels. Like, yeah, we've made a cool, interesting, almost 
hundred percent sustainable product, but we're on a mission to make it even better. Um, right. And we've always proudly said that. Um, and even I think when, when, when I do physically, I go out and do pop-ups and markets and things like that. Oh, awesome. I do enjoy Yeah. I do enjoy this because I, I want to see how people organically react to our toothbrushes. And it's quite interesting and, and understand their thought process when they see this, you know, instantly when they see this product, the questions they ask and, and all that. And, you know, a lot of the times it's, you know what I say is we're imperfectly sustainable and they really you can see and you you know you can see the the sort of wow she's really honest she's being you know and they buy into this it's because we you know they a lot of our consumers specifically especially over COVID I think a lot of mindsets of a lot of shoppers have changed um yeah they've become way more aware of where their products come from how it's being made if it's being if it if it's ethical or not um you know what materials are being used etc 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 you know the impacts of an end of life of the end of end of life cycle of a product etc you know and it's 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 really interesting and this is also a strong point of ours transparency it's something that we value a lot yeah, I think it's uh, like we we used to the last to the last two two years or almost a full two three years almost. Anyway, it's been a while. So it's it's one of the biggest shifts in consumer behavior I think we've ever had uh, that I can think of. And there's no other event that has changed how people think about it. And one of the biggest things that and you're doing it is this transparency part and bringing people along the journey, which I think is, is a huge benefit of crowdfunding. Like you said, you're starting, you're able to create a foundation of it, of being connected with your customers, understanding them, listening to them. And it's, it's something we all just want to be heard. So it's having that from a company is, is huge. And so I think you guys are like, kudos to everything you're doing because you're, you are doing that. You're building a relationship. You're being honest about stuff, which I think the other thing is COVID helped everyone realize is it's okay to be honest about your supply chain because we all actually understand, every consumer actually understood what a supply chain is, at least a little bit. So like, oh, I get it. It's not just a UPS driver shows up. <laughs> There's this whole chain that has to happen before I can before the UPS driver can deliver it, right? There's this this massive thing that happens and honesty through that process allows you to share what's going on and then for them to go, oh yeah, I do, I remember COVID. I remember, I mean, people still think it's in the past and they don't realize the supply chain is super messed up still, but at least there, at least there's some understanding. Oh yeah, it's a real thing. It takes a lot of work <laughs> to make, make a product happen. Um, yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And I think the next challenge for us during our growth is how do we maintain that connection as well? Because it, it's important for us. You know, a lot of these companies, you know, from when they go from small to big, um, forget who their customers really are. Right. You know, this and this is and this is something that we we that's the one of the challenges that we will. Um, need to make sure that we we don't forget um you know our customers and because you know we <laughs> Joshua and I are the customers as well we are that this is why we've we've made this um this product and it's it's important for us to maintain that relationship throughout our growth as well and that's that's going to be quite challenging but interesting I think it's mostly a challenge very few companies that have done it right it's 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 one of those new new areas that we're we're there's no there's no clear roadmap of well if you want to have this long-term company you want to build a good legacy you want to be remembered you want to stay connected not lose all your customers here's the roadmap there is there is no <laughs> there is no roadmap yet nobody's done it enough times to to show uh before just as we're wrapping up here, 
Um, I feel like we could talk forever about this, but well, we do. <laughs> I want to be aware of everyone's time. So to to wrap things up, I'd love you. We talked a little bit about you're working on V two coming out in 2023. How, what are, what are the things you're looking at long term, both in the brand, you know, being able to stay in connection with your customers, kind of what what are you guys thinking that you can share? about the next things you guys are looking looking for and uh and of course share where where people can find you sure. uh joshua you can take this one thank you very much um so initially we launched as a direct to consumer business d2c focus that was our focus we're like yeah we want to be the next dollar shave club covid came along we're like okay we can still do this amazing 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 and then we realized the cost of acquiring a customer after COVID, after iOS 14, how much that increased from a £3.50 um, acquiring customer on Kickstarter up to £15-£16, which we're currently paying, which we're not currently paying. <laughs> but that's that's where it is. So the our focus has rapidly changed from direct-to-consumer into getting our products into retail. But Along that journey of initially launching, going on Kickstarter, having that delay, we made sure that our D2C offering through the amazing development skills of Kiana and the website and our sales funnel were as convertible as possible. So if you go on our website, it's, you know, bias or not, it's a beautiful thing. It's the shortest number of clicks and the shortest journey you can get to understanding and purchasing the product it's an, it's a pretty incredible experience and we want to then move that experience into retail how do we do that well by making the most beautiful looking product stands available on shelves across the globe so we are in discussions with some pretty major retailers at the moment we have been having a pop-up in waitrose john lewis to test out our product within the UK to make sure it is retailable. And oh my Lord, it is. Um, it's doing, amazing. It did, <laughs> it did amazing uh, over that past week. So we know the product has got serious legs in the retail space. So our focus now is 100% retail with D2C still available. Um, but how do we sell that to retailers? That's another challenge. We have to then portray our product in a way that, so the current product you can buy is our premium version with the aluminum handle. We're launching a retail version in 2023 where it's a retail focused, it's a lot more affordable. And this is competing with being more affordable than bamboo because bamboo's in England anyway, it's about four pounds for a single handle. It's very expensive for kind of wow. pretty medium. Yeah. Um, and then it's slightly more expensive than the averagely priced plastic toothbrush so we're really competing about making eco-friendly products more accessible which we're seeing as the issue right now people currently have in their mindset eco-friendly products premium and they are unfortunately because of the materials the technology and the manufacturing processes are all uh, novel and they're more expensive to do they are right. more premium so we are manufacturing a mass product that is very eco-friendly um, that is affordable for all to have more impact about reducing single-use plastics from the planet. So that's our next focus next year. And the retail offering on the shelves is going to look like a retail focus, premium focused, all on the same shelf, and then our monthly replenishments, our head replacements, and then some accessories around that. So retailers want to see how can we access daily shoppers, weekly shoppers, and monthly reoccurring shoppers. And we now have an offering launching next year that will accommodate for all of those customers and that's really our focus so availability wise obviously you can buy it from our website www.tooth.eco there's currently a pretty good discount going on at the moment you'll see it in the banner um and then we're looking to launch across the uk and retail environments and these are going to be the more premium environments for now waitrose marks and spencers but we will hopefully be accessing or every other retailer on the planet target uh macro that will allow consumers to be able to purchase a product for an affordable price that makes it work for everyone you know there's a cost of living coming up that we're all seeing cost of living increasing and we want to make sure that our products is affordable for all we don't want to be pricing people out of 
making a difference to the planet. So, um, yeah, soon you should be able to see it in retail environments and uh, coming to a retailer near you. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I think I think that approach of you know premium, prove it, pay for the R and D, get through, get through the material research we talked about, right? Get get it to work because that's the biggest thing. You can't sell any something that doesn't work. You, yeah. Mass producing a bad product doesn't doesn't help anybody in the end. So now that you have it, I think it's a great step to making it more more accessible, which I think is, is what you brought up is is huge. It's a huge point right now of people going, yeah, it's great. And I don't have an iPhone budget for every single product I purchase. So I'm gonna buy the plastic. So being able to compete with that is is an amazing amazing point to be able to offer people um so yeah well i really appreciate you. both of you taking the time to share what you're doing it's it's amazing it's it's great to see you're successful successful enough for investors to invest which means you're doing the money side but you're also getting great customer feedback so you, your product doesn't suck too so you're you're checking the boxes off and it's great to see you guys being so successful in this space and hopefully hopefully you'll keep keep taking sales of uh, plastic toothbrushes away. Maybe we'll get that 3 billion toothbrushes to, to decrease over some time. So. Yeah, I really hope so as well. And um, wanted to add to you know where you can find us. Um, apart from our website, uh, you can also find us on Instagram um, and TikTok. Uh, so that is tooth.eco. Um, and uh, Twitter as well. It's tooth underscore eco. So super easy to remember. And yeah, like, follow, subscribe, share, all of the above. And um, do all the things. All, all those and, things. <laughs> all the things. And we'll have for, for everyone that's listening, we'll have in our show notes all the links, all, all those things. So it'll be easy. We'll make it make it easy as possible for consumers to uh, check that out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much.